Transportation is a journey connecting us in our everyday lives. This podcast series, TRB's Transportation Explorers, takes you on that journey with meaningful conversations with the experts behind the research. They often have an early eye on how we'll build the transportation of tomorrow. Today's guest is Katie Turnbull. We're here to make a difference. We're here to hopefully make things better uh, through, through research. And, and so that's certainly a driving uh, motivation. And we're here to help the next generation of transportation professionals uh, through education and, and opportunities. Hi, I'm Elaine Farrell. And I'm Paul Mackey with the Transportation Research Board of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine based in Washington, D.C. Today's guest is Katie Turnbull, Executive Associate Director at the Texas A&M Transportation Institute and is a past TRB Executive Committee Chair. Dr. Turnbull is the recipient of numerous awards, including TRB's own Carey Award for Distinguished Service. Katie is here today to talk to us about transportation initiatives in Texas and throughout the United States. Thank you for being with us, Katie. Since things have changed so much in 2020, to say the least, what do you think of as the top one or, or maybe two transportation priorities for Texas uh, going into 2021? Sure. Let, let me start by just giving a quick uh, picture of, of Texas. I think, as everyone knows, Texas is a big state, both geographically uh, and population, second only to uh, California. Uh, you may not know, but there are two time zones in the state. So El Paso to the far west is in Pacific, or excuse me, mountain rather than uh, central um, population, about 3 million. So again, a growing state, a booming state in many respects. Uh, we have big city and big city transportation issues with Houston, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, San Antonio, Austin. Uh, but we also have a large rural population with a lot of agricultural farming, and recreation and tourism. And, and while we consider that leisure travel, oftentimes we forget that it's also a key part of the economy of the state and, and a key part of the economic uh, uh, prosperity for individuals living in those areas. Um, we're a global gateway state, you know, the second only to California in terms of goods coming in and out of Mexico. We have five of the top 20 largest seaports in the country. Uh, three of the top five, again, with uh, Houston, the Port of Houston being key, and obviously DFW and Houston Intercontinental with American and United, uh, as well as Love Field with uh, Southwest, our key part of the transportation system. So when we look at what happened from March um, uh, on uh, and where we might be going in the future, all of those transportation elements, I think, are, are key to uh, moving forward and, and maybe moving forward in a slightly di different way. So I, th I think I'd like to highlight maybe two areas and they may seem a little dispersed and different, um, but, but I'll bring them together at the end. Um, you know, certainly like other areas, we've got questions about uh, uh, rebuilding public transportation, um, especially trust in public transportation and air travel. Uh, we've seen increases in or uh, crashes continue to be an issue, um, even though people are, are traveling less, although that's come back, obviously, since the uh, shelter in place was um, uh, take, taken or rescinded. Um, but let me highlight two, two different areas, and one relates to goods movement. Um, again, the movement of goods to and from uh, um, Mexico through the ports of entry. Uh, but then also the global global gateway. So 
we assisted TxDOT, um, oh, back in 2012 when the Panama Canal was being expanded, like other parts of the country, what would the impact of the Panama Canal expansion be on Texas ports and, and the landside access, uh, which obviously TxDOT and the local communities uh, were interested in. And um, one of the things that, that that group focused on was increases in exports, especially, which obviously drive the economy, as well as increases in imports. And, and what we've seen, um, we just uh, are wrapping up that effort, is that, uh, yes, in fact, uh, Texas has benefited greatly from the expansion of the Panama Canal. Texas leads in um, exports through the canal in terms of LPG, LNG, um, plastic resins, uh, both um, agricultural products and uh, some commercial uh, goods and services. And just as much, Texas has benefited by increases in containers, uh, especially with consumer goods coming in through, um, uh, through uh, from Asia and the Pacific Rim uh, through the Panama Canal. So what does that mean for the transportation system? Well, obviously most of those uh, imported goods are coming then moving throughout the state and really the region and the country by trucks. Um, so we are seeing increases in truck traffic around the ports, changes in the distribution system. Um, you know, we joke that if you uh, had uh, guacamole during the halftime of the Super Bowl, uh, those avocados probably came from, from uh, Mexico and were imported through, uh, through and moved through Texas to get to uh, their final, final destinations. Um, so looking at that whole supply chain, you know, if we're seeing an increase in e-commerce of even one or 2%, which I think nationwide we have seen, especially this past year, um, that has a major impact both on where those goods are coming from. And again, if they're coming from uh, Asia and the Pacific Rim, they're either going to Long Beach or the West Coast ports, um, coming to the Gulf Coast ports or going to uh, the East Coast ports. But that again has a major impact on truck traffic around ports, the local distribution center. And so some of our researchers have taken a look at how we can improve the truck traffic through technology, you know, better signal timing, better connected signal systems. Um, we've implemented a couple of years ago, real-time traffic information at the ports of entry along the Texas-Mexico border. So you can go to a website right now and find out what the wait time is for trucks traveling. Uh, from Mexico into, into the U.S. or from uh, the U.S. into Mexico, you can get a better idea of uh, wait times and, and delay times. Um, and we've seen, like everyone else, an increase in the local uh, e-commerce distribution with, with more trucks in neighborhood areas and, and all those types of things. So I think that's an area that continues to be important for us to look at. Um, there's a lot of research going on here in Texas. The, you know, automated trucks uh, that are continuing to be developed and tested, including here, here in Texas. Um, so let me flip to a slightly different topic. Um, Wait, before you go on, sure. Katie, uh, give us a, a little bit of inside ball. How, when you talk about that kind of research of, of looking how the freight's moving through, what's sort of an example of, of how, do, how do you actually do that research? How do the students... Uh, well, well it, you know, especially when it, it's more difficult dealing with uh, the private sector, which is, a, again, I think one of the things that we're learning uh, through this whole effort is how, how do we uh, reach out to the private sector, the trucking firms, obviously the, 
the shippers and and uh, uh, carriers that are that are moving those goods. Um, you know, getting obviously information on a global scale from the Panama Canal Authority that tracks their ship movements um, and publishes weekly and monthly data on on ships um, traveling through both you know both ways through the the canal. Um, the ports obviously track um, their uh, their shipping. Um, but then you, you've got to dig even in, even deeper into you know where are goods moving. Certainly, you can get that from um, uh, the the different toll technologies that are available around ports or systems. Um, taking a look at commercially available data, um, Atri, for example, and, and a lot of the commercial vehicles now are, are outfitted with GPS, and so you can get truck truck volumes. Um, but it is more complicated again because of the private sector nature of, of those. So, um, and as they'll tell you, you know, they'll go where the, the demand is. So it, it all gets back to, will we have increases in demand for e-commerce versus going to, you know, the local grocery store or the local um, you know, big box store. Um, it, it's a little bit more difficult and um, takes a little bit more time for, for that to occur. So some of it is really convincing the private industry that you're you're creating a value or an, an add-on for them, yes, I imagine. Yes, or that what it, that we're not detrimental to what they're trying to do, and and uh, um, you know if we if you need to as part of the process sign non-disclosure agreements, for example, over commercial data. Um, it also obviously with imports and exports means dealing with a whole host of public sector agencies, you know, from the federal level to. The border protection and trade. So again, it's a it's a complicated process um, that again means even more communication coordination uh, among the public sector agencies, but also with the private sector is is needed. All right, I interrupted you. Why don't you go ahead with your second big issue that's uh, sure. that's really important to Texas nowadays? So I, I think again, like other parts of the the country, taking a look and making sure that transportation. Uh, services of all type are available to all segments of the population and are delivered and available in an equitable manner is, is continues to be important in Texas. And so, you know, two of the things that, that I'll mention, um, uh, taking a look at making sure that buses and shuttles as we're looking at automated facilities are available to individuals with disabilities, for example. A lot of the Initial tests of, of some of the autonomous or automated shuttles have, have been um, more difficult for individuals, especially individuals in wheelchairs. Not all of the early vehicles were necessarily uh, wheelchair equipped or equipped to, to handle wheelchairs. So taking a look at that issue has, has been one of a focus here, as well as um, ensuring that uh, the bicycle uh, pedestrian and transit safety is, is a critical issue. So one of the things with a, a TxDOT, Texas Department of Transportation project we looked at was, you know, where are um, crashes or incidents involving, in this case, buses, bicycles, and pedestrians occurring? Uh, a lot of those happen at intersections. And while um, there aren't a lot of fatalities, there are fatalities. And so uh, as part of that project, we developed and, and tested an initial intersection that uh, has a fisheye camera identifies if a pedestrian or bicyclist is waiting at the corner, uh, equips the buses are equipped with DSRC radios, 
and communicate with the traffic signal. It knows if the bus is going to be making a right-hand or a left-hand turn because of the schedule. And if it detects a pedestrian or bicyclist waiting and the, the system, the smart system knows that the bus is turning and um, uh, a supplemental pedestrian signal that's a bus goes off, uh, a lighted bus goes off above the pedestrian signal and a verbal warning comes on saying caution bus turning in both English and, and Spanish. And so again, we tested it at an intersection on uh, what's now the Rellis campus here. And then we've moved it to an intersection on campus and are actually have it in operation now um, at an intersection and, and are evaluating it. So again, a focus on taking that technology, uh, improving safety for all users of the system. We're also taking a look at, again, those shuttle buses and um, uh, new shuttles working with um, the city of Arlington, which has a Federal Transit Administration grant, FTA uh, grant to continue to test some uh, automated shuttles. They've been uh, doing it for a couple of years. They had one of the early uh, pilots or demonstration with the Milo system. Again, introducing that to individuals in wheelchairs or individuals with limited sight or, or blindness uh, to make sure that they understand how to use it and can use it. Um, and then seeing if there are additional suggestions or guidelines that should be implemented uh, as people are interested in, in pursuing those uh, technologies and, and systems and especially new developments. So, you know, those two come together as we look at new developments. So again, there, there are a lot of areas in Texas as well as throughout the country that are looking at new communities. And part of that is looking at how do you uh, develop and build in automated or autonomous vehicles into that infrastructure? And how do you look at e-commerce? And so maybe those mobility hubs that we've been talking about become not only mobility hubs, but e-commerce hubs so that uh, the goods delivery that come into that community focus on those areas. And you might not have those delivery vehicles traveling throughout the, 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 the community streets. Um, or there are different kinds. Maybe they're the, the, the robot vehicles that make the shorter deliveries from, from that hub. So again, I think ways that we can take this experience that everybody's had this last 10 months and moving into next year, pause a little bit and take that experience and think about how we might do things a little differently in, in the future. You've already talked quite extensively about what work you're doing at TTI around uh, e-commerce and around equity and transportation. Is there anything else that you and your students are doing in those particular fields at TTI? I think those continue to be two of the, the interest areas for, for students, um, you know, as well as, as researchers and maybe just as importantly, the, the agencies and private sector that would ultimately uh, implement those, those types of things. So again, ensuring that as we move back into a whatever the new normal is. Um, uh, we are taking that those user groups and that technology uh, into consideration. Another example is uh, Houston Metro, the transit agency in Houston is doing a little experiment with um, uh, their metro mobility. Again, their their specialized transportation, and maybe rather than uh, using those for trips for people to get out to buy groceries, again, given the curbside delivery that a lot of the grocery stores here 
um, they use it, they could use a trip to pick up their groceries by that rather than them having to travel themselves. So evaluating those types of, of situations and, and seeing how we might use you know, technology as well as public policy, uh, converging those um, into different types of services for people is an area that uh, I think a lot of people continue to have, have an interest in. You used the term critical issues earlier in, in your comments. And of course, you have been one of the major contributors to one of the major transportation research board initiatives or reports or, you know, everything that we sort of base our, our work off of. And this is this critical issues in transportation series that we that we have. There are about 60 plus critical issues that were uh, that were identified as of the last uh, report, which was in 2019. And there will be a couple of additions uh, coming out really soon, one on equity issues in transportation and one on how the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has affected transportation. Uh, how do you how do you see the work you did on the on and have done and are doing on critical issues and, and your work as a whole really contributing to how uh, the transportation community addresses uh, these issues? Yeah. I, I think you know one of the the benefits of TRB, I think, is its ability to, uh, to be nimble and to respond to the needs of uh, its, its sponsors, whether it's federal agencies or state departments of transportation uh, or the, the private sector to you know, quickly respond with research, with sharing of information. I think the annual meeting uh, that's going on is, is a key example of, of that. Um, you know, that, that can, bringing people together to discuss uh, current issues, current research, um, and uh, current needs uh, is, is a key role that, that TRB plays. I think, again, the ability uh, to, one, update the, the initial critical issues in, in 2019 was, was a great effort. Um, but then I think, again, just as importantly, the ability to respond even quicker uh, and uh, develop additional critical issues focused on the, the equity uh, concerns as well as the experience with COVID-19 um, has, has been, again, very, very beneficial for all groups. And then again, TRB is, is, is in a great position because it can respond then with its cooperative research programs, the NCHRP, the TCRP, the, the ACRP, and help spur research and fund research uh, that addresses those issues and gets the uh, information and results out, out very quickly. So I, I, think, um, I think those documents are, are very beneficial for all groups. I think they serve a, a useful purpose. Um, and again, as importantly, that they help provide a pathway to, to the future um, that, that all groups can use to um, learn from the experience we've had and hopefully do things a little differently, a little, little better um, in the future. Um, and again, I think everybody make a difference and, and make the whole system better for, for all users, for goods and, and services. Um, and, and I think again, as we, as we start maybe moving out of the pandemic a little bit, um, also seeing how things recover and providing some guidance and suggestions uh, along the way as, as different areas are, are trying different things. So backing up, 
Uh, why uh, this is sort of a question of maybe from your childhood or or something else. Uh, why is transportation so important to you, and and how do you how did you first get interested in it as a career? So probably like most people, I was not aware all that much of, of transportation options and uh, especially undergraduate or as a, as a kid, other than you know being able to to travel and and do different things. Um, in graduate school, I took. Uh, I took some transportation classes. I was in urban planning. Um, and when I started uh, uh, my, my career actually at uh, one of the, I think 40 some now bi-state uh, metropolitan planning organizations, MPOs in the Duluth Superior uh, area, which is much different than, uh, than being in uh, College Station, Texas. Um, uh, you know, I actually started more in the land use area uh, but like everyone, especially at a smaller MPO, you have the opportunity to work on a lot of different projects. So, uh, so I did have the opportunity to work, especially on transit projects and on um, some actually port related, obviously the port of Duluth and grain shipments and, and other taconite shipments are important. Um, and then probably like other people, the person that was doing the transit work left and I had the opportunity to uh, move into that slot and, uh, um, have have really focused on transit and uh, related technology types of things uh, for for careers uh, uh, since then and and you know probably like others I think one of the things about transit especially but transportation in general uh, is that you can make a difference you know the research you do uh, doesn't just sit on the shelf it it helps create new services that that people use um, it helps create opportunities that. Uh, again, maybe people with special needs hadn't had the opportunity. Um, I, I, from there, I moved to um, the Regional Transit Board in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and then uh, joined TTI uh, uh, after that. So I think I've got a good, um, you know, it, that gave me a good perspective on both public agency and how you actually get things done in the public agency. And then obviously with TTI, um, how do you conduct research that benefits those those agencies and and the the public uh, public agencies and and groups? Um, you know, you can look back. I can look back at services that are still in operation now that I that I had an opportunity to to work on and help help get going, which which makes you feel good. And I think like a lot of researchers, you know, TTI people, we're we're um, we're here to make a difference. We're here to hopefully make things better uh, through, through research. And, and so that's certainly a driving uh, motivation. And we're here to help the next generation of transportation professionals uh, through education and, and opportunities. And you know, again, I think that's a key role that TRB also plays. Um, students going to TRB annual meetings just get, get a, a, a great exposure to opportunities, to people, they make connections. Uh, and we all do that throughout the rest of our, our careers. And uh, so again, I think that's a key role that, that TRB plays in terms of uh, maintaining that ongoing ability to um, learn from each other, share from each other, and um, you know, make longtime colleagues that you continue to interact with throughout your careers. Well, uh, I think this is our last question and it's a bit broad, but what, Additional research would you like to see on the topics that you mentioned e commerce and uh, equity in transportation within the coming year. So I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good ideas in the um, 
critical issues, maybe a couple that, that I'll highlight again, as, as I said earlier, taking this as an opportunity to maybe pause a little bit and actually implement, try some things. Um, you know, we, we can research and look at opportunities. We can then test some things out as, for example, as new developments are, are moving forward, how, how would you implement and, and actually operate those types of, types of services? Um, yeah, I think campus environments are a great uh, setting to do that. Uh, you know, we've done a lot here on the Texas A&M campus, as have other universities uh, throughout the country with uh, testing, some, for example, some of the autonomous shuttles, uh, getting experience there, and then using that to roll it out in, in, a, in a more fully automated system or, or uh, into larger areas, working with the local communities and, and developers. So I think the opportunity to take some things again, in a fairly rapid response um, from whether you do some focus groups or surveys or some initial testing and development, and then actually implement some things and try them, see what works and see what doesn't work, um, I, I think is a, is, a, is a great opportunity right now. And then sharing those results throughout the country. And you know what works here in Texas may be slightly different than an area that's got lots of snow and ice, um, but the basic concepts can, can be the same. And um, we can certainly learn and share a lot with each other. Well, it, it really sounds like College Station and Texas A&M are so lucky to have you uh, with all the innovations you get to try out down there and the research and innovations. And TRB has certainly been very lucky to have you. You've been such a valuable member of the, the TRB community and the TRB Executive Committee. And uh, we just want to thank you for that. And thank you for your time today, Katie Turnbull. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you all very much. Again, TRB is just an outstanding organization and provides so much opportunity for all of us. Thank you so much for joining us today. TRB's Transportation Explorers is a production of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Ben Brown composed our theme music. The podcast is produced by Paul Mackey and me, Elaine Farrell, and edited by me. Thanks again for tuning into TRB's Transportation Explorers. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. See you next time on the transportation journey.